Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. When you think about missions, you have to think about meeting people and knowing people that that you would like to see come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Well, there's ministries out there that help the local church and maybe identifying individuals that would be very likely people that would hear the gospel and respond to it. I knew of an evangelist, and he would send information to the church before he got there, and one of the things he would do is the 10 most wanted, and he would ask especially the men of the church to list those names and start praying way ahead of time that the gospel would be presented and shared and then responded to. That's missions, and uh, any way you look at it. Well, this is Bert Harper along with Nathan Harper, and it's our joy to be with you each weekend with Exploring Missions. And today, the interview is going to be concerning what is called the Nathaniel Project. And we find the scripture about Nathaniel in chapter 1 of the book of John, the Gospel of John, it's one of the most interesting, I think, encounters, Nathan, that yeah. that you have mm-hmm. in the New Testament. Pretty neat, isn't it? It is. There's um, John 1, there's some themes that jump out, themes of the book of John, the Gospel of John that jump out at you, even as you begin to read in chapter 1, and several of those you see. But one of them that you see is just simply the idea of invitation, come and see, and Jesus was always interacting with people, and this is not just in the book of John, but just all throughout the Gospels. You see Jesus, as his interaction with people, it also serves as an invitation, uh, invitation to come and follow him, to come be with him, to uh, come into the kingdom through him, to come experience and know who God is by coming to know Jesus. So, in other words, anytime Jesus is teaching, telling a parable, healing, doing a miracle, just talking with someone, Jesus is inviting people to know God and to have eternal life and uh, be a part of the kingdom of God. And so right there at the end of John chapter 1, we see that same thing happening to a guy named Nathaniel. Well, let me read that. Okay. I love this. I, I do enjoy this part of Scripture. I like it all, but some are lights your fire more than yeah. others. This one does me. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. There's that social network that you and I have talked about before. Whatever the social network you are involved in, the gospel spreads that way. And it says, Philip found Nathanael, underline found, and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So that famous phrase was said by Nathanael. And Philip said to him, come and see. There's that invitation. 
Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile, no fakery, yeah. no hypocrisy. What you saw is what you get. Is that what that? Yeah. And, I mean, Nathaniel spoke his mind. You know, <laughs> can anything good come from Nazareth? <laughs> you know? I love it. Nathaniel said to him, how do you know me? And I think he said that with a little bit of uh, attitude. I'm not sure, but I think he did. Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathaniel answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascended and descended upon the Son of Man. Mm. What a passage. And, and Nathan, you said it earlier about the first chapter of the book of John had introduced so much yeah. of the, the gospel of John. Nathaniel just... Some people are like, you know, Jesus' hometown, Nazareth, said if in Capernaum, if they had seen the things that you have seen, even Sodom and Gomorrah would have changed over. Nathaniel, although he was no guile, although he spoke his mind, he was open, and he responded, did he not? He did. Possibly he was, you know, Jesus knows everyone's heart, but it seems like Nathaniel was looking for the Messiah, was looking for hope to come from, from God. And uh, I think that's part of what Jesus meant when he said, I saw you under the fig tree. And if you go back into the Old Testament, that phrase— It's uh, not new. It's not new. It's, it, it's a, it's a, uh, really, it's a messianic prophetic phrase or word. Uh, you can find it in, uh, actually in 1 Kings chapter 4. And it talks about during Solomon's lifetime, this is 1 Kings 4.25, during Solomon's lifetime, Judah and Israel from Dan to Beersheba lived in safety, everyone under their own vine and under their own fig tree. And what that's saying is people were living in the blessings of God the way God intended them to live. You can actually find that phrase in Micah chapter 4 and I think we have time. I want to read this whole first yes, four, yes, we do. four verses of Micah chapter 4 and find the messianic, see if you can find the messianic promise about what we know is Jesus here in Micah chapter 4. But also listen for that sitting under the, uh, the fig tree phrase. It says, Micah chapter 4, In the last days the mountains of the Lord's house will be established at the top of the mountains and will be raised above the hills. Peoples will stream to it. And many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us about his ways, so we may walk in his paths. For instruction will go out of Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will settle disputes among many peoples and provide arbitration for strong nations that are far away. They will beat their swords into plows and their spears into pruning knives. Nation will not take up the sword against nation, and they will never again train for war. But each person will sit under his grapevine and under his fig tree, with no one to frighten him. For the mouth of the Lord of armies has spoken. Though all the peoples each walk in the name of their gods, we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. May that day come. Yeah. Wow. And, and I think Nathaniel 
when Jesus said, hey, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip even came and, and said, hey, come see the Messiah. I, was see, I saw you under the fig tree. In other words, you're waiting for the hope of the Messiah. You're waiting for this prophecy to come true. It's being fulfilled right here in me. And I think that's what Jesus was doing, inviting Nathaniel to come experience uh, the kingdom of God in Jesus Christ. And that's why Nathaniel would respond, you are the son of God. You are. You are the king of Israel. Amen. I, uh, <laughs> Nathaniel Project has the idea of identifying those people who you know in your social network that could hear the gospel and respond. This also proves this, Nathan. When I was pastoring full-time and we would do evangelism training on going and sharing the gospel, all of them I did said, I'll just always remember God is going before you. This is an exact proof of that. Here is Philip who feels led to go to his friend Nathaniel and tell him, come and see. Obviously, yeah. they'd been talking about it. Yeah. They had obviously been talking about it. Right. And he comes, and when he meets Jesus, the whole thing is God had gone before him mm. and even seen Nathaniel under the fig yeah. tree. That's the proof. Like that a God, divine appointment. Yeah. Setting God, that up. Yeah. yeah. God is going before us. So when people are identifying individuals and their heart is moved to share with them the truth, yeah. God's already done some of that work, has he not? Absolutely. Is it okay if I share like maybe a practical tool of Please how, do. how if we feel like we, we, we need to be like uh, Philip or even in, in this text or other texts about like Andrew always bringing somebody to Jesus and we want to find our Nathaniel, if you will, someone who God is working in their heart and all they need is just an invitation from us. Hey, come and see. Come experience Jesus for yourself. They, need, they just need to hear the gospel. How do you identify those people? Okay, here's, here's one way that you might do that. The first thing to do would be to make a list. Okay, you can call it an oikos map or an oikos list. Oikos is the Greek word for household. And that just the word household in the New Testament means anyone in your sphere of influence, anyone in your social network. So basically, you're going to make a list of the people that are in your social networks. And you could just start with, say, three names, four names, five names, and you could divide them up into categories. You could say, uh, do I know three to five friends who need to know Jesus and write their name down? Do I have three to five relatives, family members that need to know Jesus? Write their names down. What about work associates or school associates, people that I associate with outside of the home that they may or may not be my quote-unquote friends, but they're associates. They might need to know Jesus. So three to five names of those. And then neighbors, people that live in you know, somewhat close proximity to you. And you can make that list. And then what you do is you pick, say, three days a week that you are going to take out that list and pray for certain names, maybe three names on that list in, on those three days. And after doing this for about three weeks or so, God will probably lay at least one person's name on your heart and give you the opportunity to speak to that person, pick up the phone, call that person, email that person, run into that person in, you know, in your day-to-day walk, and God will give you that opportunity to share and become 
like Philip was to Nathaniel. Come and see. Come experience Jesus. Here's what he's done in my life. Here's what he can do in your life. But it begins with prayer and identifying potential people that God wants to uh, change their life. He can use you in doing that. So it may be someone like Nathaniel that to you it's just a friend. Yeah. But in the kingdom of God, it may be one of the, quote, 12 apostles. Yeah. I know God. Someone of significance. Yes. Yes. And so it's that person of influence as well. You've become that person of influence, and you may what? You may discover that other person of influence, and it's it's like a pond throwing a pebble in the font pond, and it goes out and out, doesn't it? That's how the kingdom of God works. That's how it spreads, and that's how God intends it to. That's how he designed it and created it. So whatever social network that or networks that you find yourself a part of, it's not accidental. God has providentially put you in, in that circle, in that sphere of influence with those specific people that need to hear about Jesus. Now, one thing I'll say about that, the longer you've been a follower of Jesus, the longer you've been a Christian, the harder it is to list names of people that don't know Jesus yet. Okay, that's a good and a bad thing. The bad thing is, though, you got to work a little extra harder to build your circle of influence, find other networks to be a part of that include people that are far from God, include people that don't know Jesus yet. And you have to specifically, almost like as a missionary, go to those people, crossing whatever cultural barriers there might be, to see them come to know Jesus. What you're going to hear in the interview is a program like that, a ministry like that, that reaches and reaches out. And I know people say, I don't like programs. And I hate to say it, I'm kind of like one of those guys. Lord, lay on my heart. But God's going to lay somebody on your heart today. Two or three people, write their names down. Pray for them. Ask God to give you opportunity to speak a word to them that would honor the Lord Jesus Christ. God's gone before you. We have that confidence. Thank you for sharing your faith with others. And listen, is this interview as we talk about the Nathaniel Project. We want to welcome our guest today to Exploring Missions, and it's Dan Allen. Dan, welcome. Well, it's good to be here with you, Bert. Thank you for the opportunity. And the ministry is Nathaniel Project, the Nathaniel Project. Now, I, let me tell everybody where we are. We are in Nashville when we're doing this interview. Uh, we're at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention, and the exhibit hall is filled with dozens of ministries. And as I get here, I walk around and I look at some, and I honestly look at those that intrigue me and draw interest with me. And when I saw the Nathaniel Project, I was immediately drawn to them, wanting to know more about what it was. And as I talked to them, I was intrigued to want to interview Dan and ask him to come with us. So, Dan, tell us a little bit about yourself and the Nathaniel Project. Well, sure. As far as myself, I'm a ordained pastor. My dad was a pastor as well, so I'm a preacher's kid. And I have preacher's kids uh, in the family. <laughs> and I came to know the Lord when I was about five years old. And um, I didn't want to go just to hell. A few, just a few years ago? Just a couple years yeah, ago. Yeah, a couple yeah. of years ago. <laughs> I, I I, that's the same reason I got saved. I just got to stop here. I didn't want to go to hell. I was saved when yeah. I was 12. Okay. And it was in a revival out in the South. We still had those great week-long revivals. On a Tuesday night, the preacher preached on hell. 
And God had been convicting me for two years that I need to be saved. That night, I did it. And they say, were you scared? And I said, yeah, but faith is what saved me. It wasn't scared. Did, did you walk down an aisle? I walked down. I ran close to it. <laughs> and I don't even remember what the preacher asked me. I said yes to everything because I'd already said yes to Jesus. Well, I, I remember. Told him I got saved between the, the first step <laughs> and the second step. God came into my life. I, I remember going down the aisle. Uh, this was in the city of Philadelphia, my dad's church. And we had a guest speaker there. And he was a very big man. And my dad had been drafted by the New York Giants to play football, though he became a pastor instead. So he was a big man. So he sat on the front pew with this huge big man and my dad, who was a defensive tackle, huge. And there was little old me weighing in at 250 pounds at five years old. Okay, I don't think I weighed that. But, uh, uh, but we're talking to a big man here, and if you know Hoss Cartwright and you watch Bonanza, you'd look at Dan and say, that must be his brother. But the, uh, I remember my dad saying, Danny, do you understand? And I did. And uh, received the Lord and uh, never looked back. And now we're involved in various ministries. I pastored for 25 years. The Lord directed us to a conference uh, ministry where I directed a place called Pinebrook Bible Conference in the Poconos in Pennsylvania. This was started by Percy Crawford, who was a terrific evangelist. In fact, uh, Billy Graham... And uh, Cliff Barrows and Bev Shea got together at Pinebrook back in the 1940s, I believe. I've got photos of all these guys. So I was there for seven years. And then the Lord directed me to more of an evangelism ministry. And uh, it's actually called 800followme, 800followme.com, <laughs> where people can go and see some testimonies. From that, however, uh, Bert, is where the Nathaniel Project started. Oh, wow. Well, the Nathaniel Project intrigues me because the Nathaniel in the Bible, I, I just, I love that story. It's one of the most meaningful evangel. He and Andrew just intrigued me. You know, the Andrew, you know, they talked sure. about the Andrew, Project Andrew yeah. and then the Nathaniel Project. If we could be more like those two guys, I want to just tell you, we would turn the world upside down, wouldn't we? And and Philip is the one who met Jesus in John yep. chapter 1. Yep. and. Um, he was so impressed with meeting Jesus, who wouldn't be, yeah. that he had to go to his friend and had bring his friend to Jesus. And and Brett, his friend's name was Bert. His friend's name was Nathaniel. Nathaniel. Exactly. In whom was no guile. Yeah. That's, that's the part that gets me. In other words, there's no pretense. The, they're the real deal. And I love real, I love real deals. I, I, People talk to me, and I said, no, I try not to have any fakery in me. Every once in a while, there's a fine line between faith and fake. Okay. You know, faith is you're doing it to the Lord. Faking it is you're trying to, trying to be something you're not. But faith, you're trying to be what God wants you to be. But you're still striving. Nathaniel was that. And so, Nathaniel Project, you're trying to bring some people to the Lord the way Philip did, right? Yeah. The, uh, the, the concept is evangelism. Mass evangelism is great. Any type of evangelism is great. Um, but what really works is that one-to-one. And statistics tell us that the majority of people accept Christ from hearing from a friend. You know, And so the Nathaniel Project was birthed out of our experience pastoring and in the area of evangelism. And the thought was to put together a spiritual adventure on evangelism. We did Evangelism Explosion. At, right. at our church for a number of years, and and Berta was very successful. 
The problem was I was only ever able to get eight or ten percent of the people involved at any given time in the in the in the program, and we thought it would be great if everybody in the church was involved. So the whole body. And, and, what yeah. a concept, Dan! Yeah, there you go. Do <laughs> um, you, you know tragically? Fifty percent of the people in the church aren't praying for anyone and their soul. Fifty percent. That's half of the congregation has no one they're praying for when it comes to salvation. Eighty percent will never share Christ. Eighty percent of Christians. Ninety-three percent will never have the opportunity of leading someone to Christ. What were we commissioned to do? You know, that's exactly what we were told to do, and yet we are failing. So the thought was put this together in a spiritual adventure. So it's a two-month program uh, called the Nathaniel Project. And you go online, nathanielproject.com.org.net. I don't know. It's all there. And, um, and it, we have material for every aspect of the church. For children, do you know that children, Christian children, have Nathaniels too that need to come to Christ? In fact, one of our test churches had four children who brought their friends to the teacher so the teacher could lead them to Christ. So we have curriculum for children, for teenagers. Um, I had a youth pastor write the material for that. He did a fantastic job and very comprehensive. I have a church right now that said, hey, can we use that even though the church isn't using an old program? I said, absolutely. You know, get these teens excited about sharing Christ. And then adult Sunday schools, small groups. We've got a family devotional thing as well as individual devotional thing. And, um, and the pastor's preaching on the themes from my book, um, which is on evangelism. Eight chapters, each of which comes from the book of Acts, except for the first one comes John chapter 1 because that's Nathaniel, Nathaniel and Philip and, and Philip. Jesus yeah. and Andrew. So, um, and all of that combined, uh, listen to this, week one, People in the church identify who their Nathaniel is. God lays okay. that upon their heart. Just one person, that's all. And they start praying for him. Now, instead of 50% of the people not praying for anyone, I have 100%. Maybe not 100%, but a lot of people are now praying. and they know more than when it was started. Exactly. exactly. And, and they know who their Nathaniel is, and they're focused then on that Nathaniel. And during the eight weeks, they are taught how to be able to share Christ. Uh, with their Nathaniel, and because we're all different. Some people are outgoing like you and me. Some people are not. They're very reserved. But right. there's ways that they can share Christ, too. In my book, one of the chapters, we explain how they can do that. And uh, and then at the end of the eight weeks, on week number nine, either the church has like a friend day or a Nathaniel day or um, maybe a banquet or a concert or something where people invite their Nathaniels to come to hear about Jesus. So, and that's one way in which they can. And how long this. is this? How long is this project? It's a two month project. Two month project. Weeks. Yep. So people can get a hold of that, and they can go to the Nathaniel Project and find out more information? Yeah, uh, nathanielproject.com. Well, is this just American for America? No, it's not. Um, We've actually taken this into South Asia, and uh, we have, uh, in, in one particular country, between myself and one of my associates, we've trained about 800 pastors how to do this already. And my associate over there has uh, a list of, of 30 or more places that he's going to be teaching pastors. In fact, if, if we had a, a ditto cam here or something, I'd show you pictures because I just got some yesterday of him. Well, paint, paint a picture 20. for us yeah. in words. 
he he always will get the pastors to stand there and and to get a picture of the pastors and and the pastors when I'm over there preaching to them and teaching them they are like sponges they yeah. just want to <laughs> learn so much and so we're thrilled to be able to teach them and teach them a way in which they can do one and one evangelism several of the countries that I go to over there. Uh, you can't do the tent meetings anymore. You can't do the outside meetings anymore because they're very nationalistic and, uh, and governments are cracking down. And uh, so, in fact, one ministry leader over there said, do you have something that's one-on-one? And I thought, the Nathaniel Project, that's <laughs> what it is because everybody has a Nathaniel. Everybody has someone they need to bring to Jesus. Well, when you look at the biblical model, Jesus, <clears throat> you know what he would do to the multitudes? He would thin them out. I mean, sure. you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, he'd speak those words, and they'd walk away, and then he'd concentrate on 12 men, and then he would get those 12 down to three, and then from time to time, we see that one-on-one. Matter of fact, the book of John is just filled with those one-on-one conversations sure. that you're talking about, Dan. So the pastor, I mean, not just after he gets through the Nathaniel Project, he could speak and preach on those all those conversations that Jesus had in the book of John, and it not only leads them to evangelism, it leads them to further into discipleship, doesn't it? Bert, that's not a bad idea. In fact, somebody asked me, what's your follow-up, they said, and I think maybe I might steal your You can have it, brother. It, so. I just, the church that I was recently interim pastor, I preached on the conversations that Jesus had in oh, John. It's one of the greatest ways to study the book of John. I found this out, and this is just for us who are preachers listening and Bible study teachers. Find a book and find some theme that goes through it and teach it from that perspective, and it adds a whole new aspect to the Bible study. And what you've done with the Nathaniel Project is taken the very essence of what the book of John's about sure. and what Jesus did. I, that's exciting, Dan. I just have to tell you. Well, I, I need to tell you and give credit where credit is due. The, the idea of a spiritual adventure really came from David Maines from Chapel of the Air. Do you remember David Maines in I've Chapel of the Air? I've heard of that Air? name. Okay. I have, yes. Well, he had these spiritual adventures, and we did them at church. And I thought, is there a way that I can marry evangelism with a spiritual adventure teaching everybody in the church? that it's their responsibility to share Christ. Because as pastors, you and I aren't going to brush shoulders with people that are friends of people that attend our church. They're the ones that have that responsibility. So we've written several books, the one on evangelism. We have another one that's called that I just got done on last Friday, got it printed, called Nate Who. And uh, (laughs) it identifies the concept of who... Who is that Nathaniel, and who is that Nate from John chapter 1, and and a bunch of different stories. I love to tell stories, and there's some practical stories of what people have experienced as they've shared Christ with with people. Dan, it's been a joy to have you tell us a little bit more about how they can get a hold of the Nathaniel Project. Sure. Well, it's uh, Nathaniel, thenathanielproject.com. Everything is online. And uh, when a church then buys the program, and I'm a pastor, so we kept it really, really cheap. When they buy the program, they get to go to the second part of the website, which has all the materials, and everyone in their church can have all the materials there as well. So they can have hard copy of stuff. They can get everything online, too, which is a great way for them to be able to resource. We're living in that age. Yeah, indeed we <laughs> is are. it online 
Well, listen, it's been a good to have with us Dan Allen with the Nathaniel Project. And we thank you for what God is using you to do. And here on Exploring Missions, we desire for you to go to that one-on-one. Whoever God has laid on your heart, start praying for them and start ministering to them and with them, get to know them. And I pray that through that, we would do and complete the Great Commission. 